The Scotiabank Women Initiative is a signature program designed to increase economic opportunity for individuals who identify as women or non-binary to be successful now and in the future. This unique offering helps women pursue their best professional and financial futures by providing unbiased access to capital and tailored solutions, bespoke specialized education, holistic advisory services, and mentorship. For more information, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. The last three years have been tough on Canadian entrepreneurs. That's why we are so excited to announce the 2023 Startup Canada Tour, a five-stop national opportunity to connect entrepreneurs across Canada. Join us for keynotes, panels, and practical workshops, an exhibitor zone featuring Canada's support organizations, speed mentoring in our Ask the Expert lounge, and an opportunity to compete in on-site pop-up pitches. We will be in Whitehorse on April 25th, Halifax on May 2nd, Vancouver on May 11th, Calgary on September 28th, and stay tuned for details on our final stop in Ontario. Want a free pass? Use code PODCAST at checkout. Learn more and get tickets now for the closest stop near you at startupcanadatour.ca. Welcome to the Startup Women Podcast, a show where we connect you, Canada's powerful cohort of women-identifying founders, to real stories and case studies of women building businesses, supported by true, tactical advice from thought leaders and industry experts. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO of Startup Canada. Each month, I'll be sharing the mic with one founder and one expert. Together, we will dive into real stories and scenarios and uncover actionable advice for women entrepreneurs across Canada. From funding and hiring to sales and scaling strategies, on this show, we cover the most important topics so you can deconstruct the challenges of starting and running a business with knowledge that goes beyond the surface level. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Kaylee and Shelley. Woohoo, thanks for having me. Hello, nice to meet you here. So, Shelly, you are building the world you want to live in through funding and investing in entrepreneurs. Walk us through what kinds of founders and businesses you are supporting to achieve this very wide and large mandate. It is a wide and large mandate. So, I would say, um, you know, there's the 51 and there's our fund and what our fund thesis is there. And then there's myself personally, you know, across both of those, uh, there's many different things that are kind of covered off in that a consumer good, it could be food products, it could be digital technology, it could be health tech, uh, it could be financial services. Um, I'm really open to anything um, that a woman is building that I feel like we need to see more of in the world. Um, and if I believe that there's been a really strong lens around the whole design and thinking around that product and service, again, from our lens, right? So is it something that we need and want and desire in the world? Uh, then I get really curious and I want to dig in. Mm, a lot. Awesome. And we are going to dig in <laughs> to a lot of those different types of ventures that you support and the process behind that relationship. Because uh, I think there's lots of, um, you know, different perceptions around the different types of relationships you can have with investment communities. Um, so debunking some of that, I think, is really helpful for our listeners. 
Um, Kaylee, on your side, can you tell us a little bit about Nona Vegan? I've had the privilege of hearing you pitch, um, arguably one of the most memorable pitches I think I've ever seen. Uh, and I always remember, you know, your time at Startup Global fondly with, with the Startup Canada team. Um, your products that you've created are also expansive and you've grown so much in the last couple of years. Walk us through Nona Vegan, why you built this brand and your entrepreneurship journey. For sure. Thanks for that. That's that's nice to hear. I do love me a good pitch. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I started Nona, I cannot believe to, I'm saying this 10 years ago, started in 2013. Wow. So it's been a decade. Um, and I started here in Toronto. The company's actually a dedication to my late Italian mama. She was from Italy and she was this incredible vegan cook, which is you know, definitely a contradiction in terms, if you know any, like, Italian, like, people who, like, she wanted to be a nonna, you know, um, so she was the oddball in her, in her family, but it was great, because I was vegan, and growing up, we just spent so much time together in the kitchen, cooking up, you know, all these amazing creations, and we were super, super close, so uh, she passed away in my final year of university, uh, just as I was finishing my degree, and it really, changed my life direction because I wanted to cook more and more to feel, you know, connected to her still. And then I was also working in the natural food industry and I saw a gap in the market. No one was really focusing on vegan cream sauce, vegan Alfredo, vegan Italian products, period. Um, I'd argue still nobody's really focusing on that um, as an entire, you know, business that somebody's building like a vegan Italian brand. Um, other than me, of course. But uh, so I saw this gap in the market. And I thought, hey, I've got the perfect, you know, secret sauce to to put out there and uh, started really slow and steady. Obviously, it's been 10 years. So, you know, very hyper local at first, and then moved to BC for a while and, and started the market up there. And then, you know, sort of scaled to grow just before COVID and then just took cover for a couple of years and then reemerged and we launched into the US market last uh, last year, 2022, like Q3. And so now we're sold across North America, which is pretty cool to say in uh, across Canada in over 400 stores. And then in the US, we're doing like a regional rollout SoCal, Texas, Illinois, and some of the Midwest uh, Southern states sort of moving through there. Amazing. Amazing. And in your export journey has been definitely profiled a lot through the Startup Canada network and with a lot of our partners, um, especially food businesses, beverage businesses, et cetera, can be challenging to export um, and have a lot of different regulatory elements around it. So it's been great to see you both grow and also educate other founders through that journey, which is so, so important. Well, thank you. Yeah. So there are so many different avenues for startups, small businesses, et cetera, looking to attract funding. And we know every single year, finding funding, understanding what funding is out there, um, and even just keeping track of where those opportunities are throughout a calendar um, is really hard for a lot of founders. It takes a lot of time and energy, and there are a lot of um, unknown rooms uh, that you don't even know you want to be in to try to attract specific types of funding. VCs are obviously a big one. There's angels. You can look at bank loans, government grants, so many different types of funding. So Shelly, I think it would be really helpful for our listeners. You're you know, an expert um, on, investor, on investment um, and looking at that specific type of funding. Based on your experience, can you walk us through some of the top benefits and downfalls of the type of funding that you provide to founders? Yeah. I mean, I think... Um... 
you know, I have lots of opinions about this. I think that there's this, uh, there's this perception in the market that you have to be venture funded to be a good company or to be a good founder. You know, venture funding is one aspect of funding that you can access for your business. Um, and I think it's uh, a type of funding that you seriously need to consider, you know, for the benefits and for the not benefits, right? I think there's so many other opportunities for funding. Um, so uh, like you've noted, you know, we can access grant funding. So non-dilutive funding from different um, agencies and organizations, which is fantastic. And I think, you know, women entrepreneurs are so resilient with that. Like we find money in every corner and then we are so efficient with the money that we have, right, Kaylee? There's loans, you know, there's, uh, you know, financing uh, inventory, uh, so we can get it to the U.S. markets. There's angel funny, funding. There's friends and families. Like there's so many different types of pockets of funding uh, that you can access. But I really think you need to do what you need to do is you need to figure out what type of company are you trying to build. Are you trying to build a venture com venture scale company? Then pursue that road to that capital um, and know that you know with it comes the responsibilities of building a venture company, which means that you will drive venture returns for, you know, that fund that's investing in you. Um, or alternatively, if that's not something that you desire, then there's other paths to other types of funding. So I think, you know, it really starts with you as a founder to carefully consider what type of company you want to build, what kind of lifestyle do you want? Um, you know, whose capital do you want? Who do you want around the table? You know, I often think like, you know, if you can't imagine you know, having your investor over for dinner um, or doing a long haul flight with that investor and spending that much time um, over a short, you know, over a concentrated period of time. Like if you really can't imagine spending time with them, then you probably don't want to take their money. So again, I just think it starts with you and your, your visualization, your self-actualization around what you want to create and then pursue those like-minded, like-missioned uh, investors and, and partners. I think that's such a great overarching sort of snapshot of different funding and and the philosophy behind it, uh, because often you know we are all trying to build different types of companies and success looks very different. Um, and and jumping to that notion that VC funding equals good is not the right avenue for everyone and, and is not um, going to lead to um, an effective use of your time as well, right? You could be going down this whole path and you don't actually have a business model that can scale with that type of funding. Yeah, totally, totally. And there's all this celebrity around, you know, I've been venture funded, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm an entrepreneur that's got venture funding. But when the rubber hits the road, right, are you building a business that's sustainable, scalable, that can drive a return, really focused on the business and focus on you, um, and then you will attract what's necessary to build your your business. And your vision. So Kaylee, walk us through your funding journey, um, maybe where you started um, and some explorations that you've had with, you know, front funder campaigns and exploring different types of funding that we haven't mentioned thus far. What has that been like for you? Well, I wish I had heard uh, Shelly's initial comments, you know, 10 years ago, that would have been great. <laughs> Shelly, where were you? Um, <laughs> because, you know, I wanted pretty much from the get go. I mean, initially, I wasn't really sure where this whole thing was going. But, you know, once we landed Whole Foods, which was really early on for us, it was like in year one, um, 
well, launched in year two. But anyway, it was really early. And that kind of kicked me off to like, all right, I want to be a big global brand and I want to be a household name. And I so I started thinking in what I now know is definitely a VC trajectory kind of way. Like we need a lot of funding in the food industry. Food CPG is just constant, requires constant influx of money. And I had no idea. So I'm just going along, bootstrapping, rollerblading from store to store with my sauce and not really thinking in this way. And and in the same in the same way, I wasn't really thinking of going after a ton of debt or bank funding. And, you know, I do wish that I had maybe sought out a bit of this roadmap earlier. Uh, but anyway, here we are. And I try to live with no regrets. So didn't do that. Um, and so, you, you know, I don't uh, really family money wasn't an option for me. It's just not as I don't come from a wealthy family. So that was not an option for me, unfortunately. So I did a small, you know, friends and family round, not my actual ones, but you know, people I met at networking events who were incredible initial investors for me back in 2015, just a really small round. And then and that one came together fairly easily. I was surprised. I was like, Oh, I sat next to this lady at a networking event. And then she invested. Cool. I got written up by this blogger. And then she invested. Great. I was like, it was it was relatively simple. Um, You know, we had a small valuation, we were still new ish. um, And there was a lot of excitement around the potential of plant based and and food. And you know, it's kind of like a sexy business to invest in. So it was just, it kind of just came together. And so when I started this journey in winter of 2019 to do a, you know an angel round is more what we were looking at, I was a bit delusional. I thought it was going to be somewhat simple and um, it was extremely challenging. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. I think the climate right now is very tricky. A lot of folks I spoke with were recently burned with food CPGs, plant-based things, so they were very cautious. Um, You know, as far as us being a 10-year-old business with a relatively small revenue, um, you know, compared to a lot of industry, you know, other businesses out there, and I have reasons for that, but, you know, initially on paper, it wasn't use my previous (laughs) sentence, it wasn't very sexy of an offer, maybe. And I really had to come in and say, no, look, I built this slowly, mostly by myself over the past 10 years, overcome all the challenges on my own dime. And I'm not going to mess with your money because I've messed with mine. and, And now I'm ready. And here we go. And it was a bit of a tougher sell. And so we initially went after we were trying to do 500,000 in a safe round, which was you know, going to be our first kind of tranche of money. And then we were going to try to prove capital efficiency, uh, increase our valuation, use that money really effectively to get us to the next level, and then do another small raise. So, you know, a lot of people looked at our $500,000 safe round, and they were like, you need way more than that for for your industry. And I was like, I, I don't disagree, but I'm also very good with, as you know, I think Kayla, you mentioned this earlier, I was like, you know, I'm good with my money. I'm not going to blow through it. I don't take a huge salary. You know, like I was like, you know, this is going to work. This is why that I've calculated it. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a bit of a tricky time. So a year and a bit later, we had got 95K of that 500K and sort of trickling in over the year, which was 
not ideal. Um, and we had launched into the US because a lot of investors wanted to see that US traction. They were like, we love you. We love your business. Great, great, great. We want to see some traction, then come back. And so I was like, all right, here we go. Let's prove some traction. And then we started tracking along our plan, you know, as we had had uh, presented it and I was all proud and like, hey, I'm back. Look at what we've done. And, you know, a lot of companies or rather investors were, you know, saying, well, we're actually really tied up with our portfolio companies right now because it's a tough time for everyone, you know, and I don't know. What do you say to that? Like, that's fair. You already have a vested interest. You need to support the companies who are in your portfolio who are struggling. Why bring on me? Um, so I that's when I turned to crowdsource equity funding and I found Front Funder because I thought, all right, I'm going to keep trying simultaneously with angels and, and you know, smaller VCs were, were too small for VCs for the most part, but family offices, just smaller, even more sort of friends and family level folks bringing them in. But I thought, you know, we've built, we focus so much on community at Nona, I call them our familia. And I was like, we got a lot of like really awesome fans and great network. And, and I think that, you know, we like to say tutti a tavola, which is everyone to the table at Nona, you know, as far as dietary preferences. Yeah, like bringing everyone to the table. And I was like, I think that can apply to, you know, bringing a seat to the table as a business. So it was a nice fit for us sort of community value wise. And then it was also just an alternative option because we weren't seeing a lot of success in the traditional route. I really appreciate the level of detail there, Kaylee, because I think often we see these journeys that, oh, I raised here and it was this one moment in time and I found all of this money somehow through some connection. And it feels very daunting to founders not understanding what all of those ebbs and flows are um, and the yeses and the nos. And that transparency, I think, is really important. Um, so thank you for taking that space and, and um, sharing with our, our listeners this true experience that you're currently still living and breathing um, as, as an incredible founder. Shelly, what are you seeing right now in the market? Because, you know, to, to Kaylee's point, um, you know, pending recession, <laughs> the staff, the sort of the, the existing portfolios um, that some folks already have that are struggling, um, the potential, you know, shifts in markets. And, and there's so much movement and chaos that it feels um, like a very challenging moment to approach any type of fundraising um, and feeling confident that you know what the next steps are. What are you seeing from all of your different lenses in all of the different investment communities that, that you represent, both on um, the 51 side and in the other spaces that you work in? Yeah, um, there's still capital out there. Um, capital still flowing to, you know, investable businesses. Uh, it's a great time to be an investor. Um, I'll say that out loud. Um, you know, the tides have kind of shifted, right? Um, we've gone from you know, I don't know if it was a 10-year market where, you know, founders were really kind of calling the shots around what they wanted, um, you know, terms, valuation, um, and now it's really a founder's market. I mean, it's an investor's market. So in that context, it's, it's really good for the 51 and for the other investing that I do personally. Um, but that being said, you know, um, I think, you know, as an investor, you were looking for, you know, the founders that you want to wanted to invest in before, and you were maybe not 
uh, dissuade by, you know, outrageous valuations before, and then likewise now, right? So I feel like, you know, if you are a bit of a steady in the market, I think that's a good thing, right? Like not getting FOMO, not getting caught up in um, different circles of like what's normal now um, versus what should be, you know, just good investing practices, right? So I kind of like where we're back to. Um, I think, you know, when I look at the founders out there, I just, I sometimes wish there were more vehicles for for funding. And so, you know, in my earlier response, I'm like, yeah, there's lots of different options. But I think, you know, for a company like Nona uh, and what Kaylee is building, I just go, I feel like there's um, another aspect of the, the financial markets uh, or the capital markets that's missing for a founder like Kaylee. Um, again, you know, I will reiterate, um, we know that women are extremely capital efficient. They get to revenue sooner. They get to more revenue per dollar invested. Um, you know, we find dollar, you know, we find money in every corner and we're just, we're very good marketers. We're very good community builders. Um, we know how to build mission, uh, you know, mission driven businesses. So I just think, you know, uh, we just have this certain tenacity about building a venture that's really exciting. And I think crowdfunding, um, you know, really lends itself well to that, right? Because you have a community of, of like-minded consumers that are cheering you on, that want you to be successful. Uh, you know, many consumers wish that they had ownership in the brands and the products and the services that they're consuming. And, you know, crowdfunding provides that vehicle to do it. Um you know, every day um, I meet founders like Kaylee building companies like Nona, and I just go, "Wow! Like there's this, there's this untapped potential across Canada um, to build." You know, like I said earlier, the companies and the products and services that we want to see, right? Um, and so, I'd love to see you know other vehicles come to be, um, and maybe I can kind of dream about what some of those would be. Um, but I love crowdfunding. And I also think, Kaylee, and I don't know if you agree with this, you know, it's not one or the other. We're always so fussy as a community around, are you venture, are you not? You know, um, you know, what type of business are you, are you building? Is it services? Is it tech? Is it a product company? And you could all get put into these little buckets. And I think the power of crowdfunding is that it can sit beside any type of capital. You could be raising a friends and family or angel, and you could be doing crowdfunding at the same time. I do see a future where, um, you know, you will be raising venture capital and you will be activating that community capital at the same time because what women do really well, uh, and I think that this is another trait that we have, is we have a built-in market. We have a built-in market in everything that we're doing. And so if we can bring that market along with us while we're fundraising and leverage, you know, crowdfunding platforms, I think it's extremely powerful, um, not just for the capital, but for the commercialization of the product that you're trying to mm. distribute. Great point. And Kaylee, do you have any other pieces of advice? You've, you've walked us through the journey to why you decided to explore crowdfunding. Um, why did you choose FrontFunder? And and walk us through what that journey has been like so far, even sharing this announcement with the community and, and walking through this different path. Is there anything you'd want to share with our listeners? Any pieces of advice or any things that you've just found interesting along the way? Yeah, it's um, a lot more work than I 
thought it was going to be, but it always you know, is. <laughs> I think that's fair. And, you know, to front funders credit, they did try to warn me. Um, <laughs> they told me it was going to be a commitment and, uh, and it is, but it's actually been really fun to sort of navigate and see what lands and what just doesn't really work. And so, you know, things that I thought would be really, really effective, like big influencer, um, mentions and Q and A sessions and stuff, not, not turns out not so effective. Um, but Mm. yeah, but what has really resonated and, and because just before we closed the first round on, uh, Feb 8th, I called all of the current investors from the first round and bounced this off of them. Um, I said, you know, we're lowering our minimum. We were going to require 150K to close. We're sitting around 108, I think, on that day. Um, we want to close at, uh, at 100, get this money and open a second round, which is why we're now open until May 11th. And every single one of them said a couple things. They said, hey, I've never gotten a call from someone I've invested in. This is super cool. Thank you so much. This means so much. So, you know, there were... 39 investors. So it was it was a lot of phone calls, but why not? I mean, I wanted to make sure cuz I had I don't want to ever go back on my word. I had said, you know, our minimum is 150. I didn't want to suddenly just be like, surprise, it's 100k next. You know, I wanted to touch base with everyone. Um but two, most people echoed back. They really liked my you know, just me uh, sitting here on my couch doing my videos of sort of investing 101. What does it look like? Just like really short form. And and Kayla, I think you mentioned earlier, you've been seeing me pop up on LinkedIn with those as well. And I think, you know, people love hearing from the founder, but I think, you know, folks don't, investing can be scary, you know, and Front Funder is cool because it, um, it opens up investing to the everyday retail investor, meaning, you know, somebody who's not necessarily an accredited investor. And so people weren't really sure what it all meant, you know, and uh, my sister is amazing because she's just so honest with her, um, like any knowledge gap. She's just like, I don't get it. What does this mean? Like, and so I use her and her questions and I would formulate videos around it. I was like, all right, what exactly does this mean for people? And I had friends asking these questions as well. And, you know, I didn't say anybody's names, but I was like, this is awesome. Ask me any other question, even if it seems like a silly question to you, like this is perfect because this is what I really need to be tapping into. And that was really effective and just nice to be, you know, in communication with the community like that. So on the second round, I'm planning on doing that times times two. So I'm taking a bit of a break before we launch this next marketing round um, and then going full force into that in that way. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of lessons. Also, pro tip, also Front Funder did warn me of this. Don't launch right before the holiday season. Not not a great time to ask people for, for, for money. Um, that was, you know, maybe not the ideal time to, to launch. But, you know, now the second the second half is in the spring. And I think that's a that's a good time. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome, Kaylee. And Shelly, do you have any founders that that you're working with or any other founder stories that sort of resonate with some of Kaylee's messaging and any lessons that you'd want to share through through their stories with our listeners? Yeah, I think um, on the crowdfunding side, uh, like we ran a campaign, not last year, but the year before where we curated three companies, uh, three founders, 
put them on front funder and then help them raise money, which is really cool. I loved it. I really want to do it again. Um, And so Kaylee, you know, maybe what we'll do is we'll build a little bit of an advisory board or something um, to help this, this next round of of founders get on the platform and stuff. Um, But I think, you know, more planning up front uh, is super important. Like you said, Kaylee, like, you know, timing is everything. Um, You know, you know, what is your product doing in the marketplace and how is that, you know, synergistic with the fundraising that you're doing um, with your community, right? So as much as you can make it a campaign from many different aspects of your business, I think it's a really good thing. So not just going out and trying to raise money, but going out and saying, you can be part of what we're building and this is what we're building and this is what's coming out or we launched a new product. And, you know, all of the different attributes that can come together to design a successful campaign and really doing that upfront thinking strategically um, and designing it properly and doing the planning so that when you're executing it, you know, you've kind of thought of many of those different things, um, you know, leveraging your social channels. Um, you know, I love your comment about influencers. Um, you know, it's sometimes you know, those micro influencers or even those consumers that you have in your own community are much better influencers than actual paid influencers. So, um, you know, really identifying who in your community can be your influencers to to activate that capital is super important. So, I, you know, I agree with everything you said. And I just think, you know, planning is going to be a, a huge part of it. So I feel like you know, we, we almost approach this conversation from the now perspective and where we're at um, in Kaylee's journey and, and looking at 2023. I would love to go back to the beginning of um, most founders' journeys, trying to, you know, identify where their first dollar is going to come from, where they should be looking, and how they set themselves up for success when they're talking to somebody like you, Shelley. Um, you're helping women and gender diverse founders helping them grow, um, and you're helping them really stand strong during that initial funding round. What information is most important? What attributes of their business should they really be putting front and center to um, you know, really set themselves up for success in those initial conversations? Great question. Um, so uh, you know, I'm a founder first investor, and so is the 51. So I have to kind of say that up front. So what that means is, you know, for, you know, what should they be putting out, you know, in the forefront? Like what should they put, be putting out first? It's themselves, right? Um, I want to evaluate the founder from a vision perspective, from a, a, a character perspective. I need to understand their judgment Um, I need to see that they are coachable and they seek insight and input, right? It doesn't mean that uh, you want to collaborate with founders that just do what you say, because that's not the role of an investor-founder relationship either. Um, You know, I really want to get close to that founder and understand, can I bring value to that founder and to that venture? Can I be, you know... um, a strong partner? Can I aid in their ability to be successful? So um, it's it's really a mutual evaluation of the founder and, you know, the fit with the, with the capital partner and then the capital partner fit with the founder. Um, it really starts with that. So then, you know, once you get to know that person, then you want to know their story. Um, well, what is their story? You know, 
Um, what made them create this company? Um, was it a lived experience? You want to hear that story because I think the conviction of founders who have developed a product or service or anything based on a lived experience is very, um, it's very p- powerful. Um, and it doesn't mean that the solution that they have in their hands today is a solution that, you know, the product will be ultimately, but, you know, they're committed to solving that problem, right? Mm. Um So, you know, founder first, you know, story is huge. Um, I love, you know, uh, women companies who marry, you know, um, uh, a social impact aspect to their business. And it's not a trade-off, you know, again, like don't put us in a box. We can have social impact and build this a social mission business and we can drive a financial return for our investors. Those two things can come together. So I think kind of, yeah, like going through all of that discovery, I think is really important. And then, you know, I would also say like, understand your market, like do your work, like understand your market, uh, know your financials. Um, you know, be a student of your business. Um, so sell, and then, you know, it doesn't matter what level of detail that that investor wanna, wants to get into, you have the answers, you know the answers. Um, or, you, um, or you're in a situation to seek input, guidance, advice um, from those around you. Um, and then I would also say, you know, uh, have the courage to surround yourself with those more talented than yourself. And I think coachability is part of that, right? So uh, I hope that answers your question, but I think, um, what are you building? Why is it so important? Why are you going to be successful? Give me the business plan behind this model. You know, how can it be massive or not? I don't care. Um, I just want to meet you and learn more about your business, right? And, you know, I don't only do venture investing. Um, You know, there's other companies that I will back. So um, again, it's really getting to know that founder, that vision, the business opportunity, the investment opportunity, and you know what can be the the outcome of such a such a partnership. So even double clicking on that a, a touch further, Shelley, if I've pitched my business to you, you know we've had this initial conversation. I've covered all of those different elements. I feel coachable. Um, there's a clear you know market for my type of business. You know there's value alignment. All those different elements you just mentioned. Um, what then happens? You write the check, you meet monthly. What are the mechanics of a relationship between a founder and an investor? Yeah. And so the one thing I would say is like, we meet hundreds of founders and then we make an investment, right? So again, that's what's really discouraging about this model, right? And I'd like to see more pervasive funding available, but you know, there has to be a strong commitment uh, to the thesis. Um, And yeah, so you know, there's things that we like to see in place when the check goes through, right? So uh, we want information rights. We want to stay really close to your business. Um, you know, we want to see some kind of um, governance model set up, even if it's just an advisory board to get started. Um, we want to know that we have influence on the business in a really positive way. Um, you know, we want to know that there's other like-minded investors on the cap table. That's really important to us as well. And then, yeah, like we show up for our founders, right? So, you know, we ask for updates. We love doing calls, getting updates. Um, You know, we're always available. If it's a text message, if it's an email, uh, you know, we respond. Um, 
you know, maybe not always immediately, but we respond and, and we do the work and, and we help out where we can, right? Um, we try to open up doors. Uh, we really try, you know, at the 51, we really try to be that partner that can help a founder go from pre-seed seed to series A. Like that's our goal um, is that we could work with that founder to find that product market, market fit and that scalability opportunity. And then, you know, ultimately get that series A funding in the door. But again, we're partners um, and we really try to create a safe place for our founders, right? We want our founders to be, you know, vulnerable and to share with us and, you know, to give us the good and the bad. Like we do not want the veneer version. We want what's really going on. And, you know, let's get ahead of any issues before, you know, the shit hits the fan, so to speak. Like, uh, you know, we really want to be, you know, partners in crime with our founders and, and those ventures. And so, you know, I think we are uh, generous, spirited, spirited partners, um, and we work very close with our founders to ensure every likelihood of success. Uh, we're not perfect, um, but you know, we always talk about you know activating both our human capital and our financial capital. And we often ask um, the question around, um, you know, why do you want 50, the fifty-one on your cap table? Like, give it to us straight. Like, if you can't. If you can't describe the proposition that we can bring for you, then that's probably not a good sign, right? We really want to be value add beyond our capital. That's that's huge, and I think that um, positioning of of the power dynamics as well. Like we hear it so often with founders that it's you know the investor. I'm looking up at the investor, and I'm I'm you know trying to get them to listen to me in this dynamic of sort of um, feeling powerless to those types of decisions. Like it, it really is an exchange. Um, and, and that can be hard to feel comfortable in those spaces when you are asking for money, money's deeply personal. There's lots of emotion behind it as well. Um, but really understand the perspective of someone like Shelly looking to invest in you as a person and as a founder, um, having that in the back of your head, I think can help in some of these mm -hmm. conversations mm -hmm. to come mm -hmm. at the, at, and be at the same table mm -hmm. at the same moment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, um, uh, you know, again, I spoke of the celebrity, aspect of it mm. you know it can be very lonely uh it can feel very desperate sometimes uh you need a ton of resilience and so you know you want the type of investors that you can call when things are tough right and we really hope to be you know that investor um that doesn't mean that we're going to have a solution every time but we definitely want to create a, a safe place to have those candid discussions Mm, I love that. And on the, you know, obviously we're talking about sauce and all these different kinds of ways with Kaylee, um, but because the 51 is really focused on women and um, gender diverse founders, do you think that's a part of the secret sauce of the types of ventures that you're supporting and, and the movement that you're creating around the 51? Absolutely. Amazing. Love to see it. And I've been a big fan of the 51. Even the name in itself is very symbolic and very important. Yeah, it's so cool, right? It's a great name. So, can, <laughs> we, can you walk us through, you mentioned this a little bit earlier as well, how you entered into your first funding exploration, not that you were necessarily trying to raise you know, a particular type of fund at the very beginning. You were really figuring things out as, as you went along, like many founders. Um, what was really important for you and Nona when you were approaching funding at the beginning? Was there a philosophy? Were there tools that really helped anchor you? Did you talk to other types of founders that you found helpful? Walk us through that initial step for you as well. So back in 2015, the friends and family round, I really, I didn't have a whole lot of 
intentionality is that a word around it i i wanted women investors and i got them so that was great um and i wanted people who you know sort of to shelly's point of the kind of investors that i could just pick up the phone and call when i had you know questions or updates good and bad and ugly and sort of all of that was you know just instinctually what i was looking for because i had heard of you know, companies or, or entrepreneurs, you know, a little further ahead than me who were like, oh, my board is running my life and this and that. And I was like, oh, well, that does not sound fun. I don't want that. Um, and I really, I genuinely, I don't know if lucked out is the right way to put it, but I, I got some incredible early investors back then. And so launching into the second, you know, round in 2019, I, I had a similar intention, but I knew I needed a larger check. And I definitely found, you know, for a while I had two meetings a week for like months um, with different investors and the kind of people I was meeting, you know, didn't necessarily, I wasn't reflected in, in the people I was meeting. It was a lot of older cis straight white men. And um, that was that. And a lot of them were really lovely and wonderful and great people and all of that stuff. But I did find it a little more challenging to seek um, sort of women investors or um, I did bring on another investors LGBTQ plus and we're an LGBTQ plus certified company. So that's also important to me. So that was really meaningful and wonderful. And, you know, so we've got a, we've got a really great mix of, of people in right now. But those that sort of was my initial intention and then just building, you know, building my pitch deck to cater to the sort of investors I wanted to bring in, um, you know, are, I mean, you've heard me Kayla pitch a bunch. Uh, my, my story is very Not much at the, <laughs> yeah, my story is very much at the forefront of the company. It's very much about my mom and that Italian love. And so that definitely shines through in, in, my pitch deck and and every investor meeting I take. And so I am looking for folks who really resonate with that and and the mission of spreading love through food. And, you know, be, I do want alignment there. So yeah, I'd say that was that was sort of my main intention. So Shelly, to founders that are looking to raise now, um, do you have any advice on how they should be shifting their pitch or shifting the focus um, of the, the conversations that they're having with investors based on the climate that we find ourselves in now, which is very different than what we saw last year and the year before that and the year before that. And the year before that. And the year before that. Exactly. Yeah. Changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we know that there are still founders out there that you know can raise um, money on an idea or a presentation, right? That's not going to go away just because I think that, you know, depending on who you are inside of that community, you, you know, still have access to that capital. Um, you know, for those that kind of have to get in the arena and really fight for that capital or find for that, find that capital, you know, I think, you know, we still really, and again, I'm, I'm speaking of the 51 and myself, we still really want to see a founder who has a big ambition, uh, a tremendous opportunity. So don't hold back on that. But I would say, you know, be more realistic about what you are going to achieve when. Um, understand uh, the fundamentals of your business um, and what levers you have at your disposal uh, to, you know, to get to profitability earlier if you want to. 
um, really understand, you know, investable growth versus just growth at all costs, right? So, you know, what kind of return are you getting for your uh, invested capital um, on revenue, right? Um, like, you know, can you calculate that? Um, you know, so, you know, that shift from like growth, growth, growth to like growth, yes, ambition, yes. Um, what's your burn, right? What's your burn multiple? Um, what kind of margins are you driving in your business? So, um, I, you know, what's the cost of acquisition um, of your customer and really making sure that, you know, all costs are being included in that. So I think, again, you know, uh, for those founders that uh, have a desire to become, you know, financially astute with their business, then, you know, it's a great time to be a founder, right? Because you're going to know your numbers and you're going to know your business model levers and what you have at your disposal uh, to drive that growth and what metrics are giving you the indication that your growth is sustainable and investable, right? So, um, yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, people be ambitious, um, you know, go for the investors that you want on your cap table and, uh, you know, just really know your business model. So, again, it's a great time to be an investor, but it's also a great time to be a founder. Um, like we know, you know, we're at the kind of at the bottom of the market right now. So, you know, we have tremendous upside over the next, you know, three, five, seven year investing time period, right? I also believe too, if I can chime in on this, uh, Kaylee and Kaylee is, you know, women have not had the benefit of outrageous valuations over the last one, two, three, five, seven years. Um, so I think our businesses were always being more tempered on the valuation side. And in hindsight, that was probably a great thing, right? Maybe we didn't get the valuations that our male counterparts did, but we're probably not in the situation where we're getting, you know, the down rounds um, or the washouts that maybe some of our male colleagues are now too. So again, I always try to see the, you know, see the, the good in a challenging time. That's actually, I, I, I'm just kind of ahaing on that a little bit right now as well. And even looking at the number of women-led companies that we've worked with or that have scaled tremendously in the last year who have been doing significant layoffs. I can name maybe one or two <laughs> on that list in my mind, whereas, you know, many of these these other companies have been now let. Wow, that was a bit of a whoof kind of moment for me on that, Shelly. Um, super, super interesting. Kaylee, in your 10 years of, of running this business, um, what have been some of those ebbs and flows that you've had to go through understanding all these different changes that we've seen? I mean, a perfect example that we've just reviewed. Change is constant and we've seen pandemics and we've seen all these different other elements. Um, how have you weathered some of those storms? Yeah, I definitely, just before COVID struck, uh, I had done my first export trade mission to the States and I had done the trade accelerator program and I was all geared up for export and, you know, then COVID. And of course it was not a great time to be calling up uh, stores in the States and, you know, offering a new product. Everybody was just hunkering down and uh, trying to stay afloat. So for me, that was actually a really great time to focus on, I'd say the foundation of my business, because I do, I love getting out there and talking to people and doing demos and doing festivals and then keeping myself very busy with all of the customer facing parts of the company. Um, but being a really small team, you know, it was actually good to have COVID force me to, okay, you're not doing a demo every weekend. You're actually sitting and 
going through your financials and it's boring, but you're getting to know your business in a real, real solid way. And I think that provided some great groundwork to to then, well, to launch into the US, but also to launch into fundraising mode. Um, and just as, uh, as Shelly was talking about sort of the, the elements to to a pitch, I remember one of my, I think I'm on deck version 33 now, but one of my early earlier decks had nothing about sort of my history as an entrepreneur and that it was 10 years old and sort of just putting that out there because I was definitely trying to present a much more polished version, you know, like, you know, this is, and we're, we're seeing growth. And then I had people say, well, it's slow growth though. And, you know, I'd be caught in a pitch like, uh, blah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. Um, you know, and, and just be caught a little off guard. And so I started asking when somebody gave me a no, um, I was like, awesome, great. Do you mind me asking for feedback? Do you have time for a feedback call? And everybody said yes. And a lot of the times the feedback was you know, really positive and just like, oh, it's a bad time though. Um, but sometimes I drilled in and I was like, no, really, like I give it to me straight. I'm, I can take it. I'm tough. Um, and a couple times I said, well, you've been in business for 10 years and you just haven't seen that hockey stick growth yet. And I was like, well, I wasn't trying for that. That wasn't my intention. I just wanted to grow slow and steady. And now I'm seeking investment to then you know, launch into more hockey stick growth, if you will. And so I added that slide into my into my um, deck and it felt a little risky. I was like, this is weird. I'm kind of calling myself out for not being that perfect model that they were all looking for. But I stuck it in there, sent it out to my next the next week of people. And one of them literally said, I took the meeting because of slide 10. And I was like, oh, that that was the slide, <laughs> if that wasn't obvious. So I was like, okay, interesting. And, you know, he was like, I just love that you called it out. Like, because that's obviously a question when people look at your business. And so, yeah, I think figuring out, it's a balance though. It's a balance because you also don't want to lead with like, here's all my failures, give me money. You want to like, you have to balance it. Uh, you know, I can overcome, I'm overcoming these things and all of that good good stuff. Um, but yeah, that was one really interesting learning I have had in this whole investment process. Mm, such a great example. Shelly, have, have you seen any other similar examples of, of founders that have shifted one element of their pitch that then brought a completely different conversation? Are there any other um, things that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I love what Kelly just said, like, tell your story, like it's context setting right? We understand the journey that you're on as a founder. And then we have the context of where the business is today based on your story. So I think if I took, um, you know, the name out of a presentation, so let's say I'm, I'm not able to hear the, the founder speak directly uh, initially. Uh, and I just get the deck and I'm flipping through it. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, do I want to meet this founder? Uh, and I just kind of test it out, right? If I just put any kind of logo on every slide, is there anything here that jumps out at me that says that I need to meet this founder? Like, is it just a generic storyline of like, you know, you're supposed to have these seven slides in there. And I, you know, I know we're taught to, to build our investor presentations a certain way. Um, 
And yeah, like there is a story arc that I think is really beneficial to storytelling for investors. But I think, again, wrapping that story, the founder story around it is super powerful. So I encourage every founder to do that with their deck. Mm, totally. And yeah. I think when I think back on the first time I heard you pitch, Kaylee, um, I, I picture that moment in the first 10 seconds learning about your mom and, and that moving me totally. so deeply. And I was there and I remember it to this day and it was virtual yeah. and you had incredible energy. Uh, and I've now probably listened to thousands of pitches <laughs> through all of these different pitch processes. Yeah, I totally. I remember it too. Cause I was like, I know you. And then you start telling me your story again. And I'm like, <laughs> I know your story. Oh, thanks you too. That's very kind. <laughs> the song was the best though. Leading with all your failures. I love that. Part. I sing a little too often sometimes, but I'm glad you you dig it. <laughs> no such thing as singing too often. I, I'm surprised I don't sing more on the Startup Women podcast. <laughs> I'm surprised that hasn't been an element. Um, so to round out, you know, this really fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Kaylee and Shelley. I feel like I'm learning a lot, and we're really getting deep into some of the mechanics here. Um, I'd love to take a moment to talk resources. Love some good resources, love pointing founders to practical tools. Um, so Shelly, maybe I'll start with you. Do you have any um, you know, resources, pitches that you see online that, that could be great sources, um, legal support, and you know, understanding even the lexicon and the, the verbiage around investment? Um, we've mentioned a lot of different terminology on the podcast today that also might feel unfamiliar to founders. Um, I know the 51's got some great resources. Maybe we can do some shout outs there. But what other supports online and maybe in community would you recommend founders look to? Yeah. I mean, I think for fundraising, I think uh, surround yourself with founders that have been successful in fundraising. Um, and, you know, probably also not successful, like learn from, learn from everyone. Right. Um, I would say, um, yeah, we do have some resources at the 51. We have our financial feminism investing lab. We have a founder lab and we have an investor lab, um, which is really good. So we're building capacity, um, with both stakeholders uh, and both parts of our community, which is fantastic. We also have what's called uh, a financial feminist dictionary where we take these opaque um, financial terms and we just write them in plain language so that you understand them. You know, um, that was one of the things that we kind of uncovered at the beginning of the 51 is we're like, no, wait a minute. The language is deliberately kept opaque so that only certain individuals understand the language but it's really not that difficult, right? So um, so we have that resource. I would say, you know, just find yourself that community of founders or of, you know, investors, right? So we know not a lot of women yet today are, you know, activating in this asset class. So, you know, put yourself out there, meet other founders that have been successful, not successful. Uh, likewise, on the investing side, there's so many different communities and collectives and networking groups that are up and running now. Um, I just think um, this space is so dynamic that, you know, plugging yourself into the community and the ecosystem is, you know, a sure way to, to kind of get up to speed. Um, and yeah, there's great resources online, but I think nothing beats, you know, real experiences told by real people and real stories, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and to be in company with people that are going through what you're yeah. going through. Totally agree. 
Holy, what resources would you point founders to? Um, you know, Startup Canada, awesome resource, the 51, <laughs> fantastic. Um, <laughs> I think uh, for for funding, like um, if for export, I always say this, I know this wasn't the exact question, but the trade commissioner service, everybody contact your local trade commissioner. They're phenomenal resource that not enough people know about. So, um, but as far as investing specifically, yeah, definitely your network and, and like echoing what Shelly said about surrounding, surrounding yourself with folks who have done it both successfully and, and not successfully, I guess, and just learning from the good and the bad for sure. Um, I'm part of Canadian women in food. And uh, there was one session recently that I that really resonated with me. It was with um, Ellen Farrell from Investor Ready, and she was sort of speaking to the questions that uh, men get asked in investment Q&A after things and the ones that women get asked. And I, it was mind blowing to me. It was, and it was all data driven. You know, she's PhD, very sciencey. It was all data driven. And it's like, yeah, the men get asked, what's your five-year vision? And the women get asked, what's your cost of acquisition? And what's, what's your, what are your margins? And what are your margins assumptions over the next five years? And like, just very granular, um, which of course you need to know all that. And of course, men sometimes get that stuff too. But in general, um, just learning, I haven't, I'll admit I have not tried the investor ready programming yet. So I can't actually speak to that. Um, but learning how to control that conversation, especially as women, um, I think, especially when you're pitching to a male investor um, and just knowing how to navigate those questions so you still control the conversation and you can still speak to the vision of the company versus the micro, micro details that, you know, change daily and don't like, you know, that are less important as far as um, whether or not, you know, you're going to do this investor partnership with this person. So, um yeah, and I think just just staying educated with as as Shelley said, there's so many groups out there now. I've joined a bunch, and and I try to I try to tap into them whenever I travel. Like when I was in LA, I went to like a dolphin tank event and and learned from those folks. I'm like, what are they doing in LA for investment? Like, I want to see, I want to check it out. So just keeping your education broad is is always great, in my opinion. Hmm. I love that. And there's so many different types of communities as well that that you want to expand if it's not just women-led, you know, entities or, you know, groups like the Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce or et cetera. Like you can, you know, look at the intersections of, of where we sit as human beings and tap into so many different resources, which is unique in Canada. I think there's a lot of different spaces for people to connect. So I'll leave us maybe with one final prompt now that we have entrepreneur and kind of investor side uh, and and one takeaway that, that we can anchor today's conversation with. Um, I'm very encouraged by the future being women founded. Um, I know some of the stats would suggest otherwise these days in terms of investment, but I think there's so much great movement, great appetite um, and venture you know, groups like the 51 that are really moving this conversation forward and putting money behind the conversation. Um, so how do you see both players, entrepreneurs and investors, making sure that this vision of um, women getting effectively founded to grow and scale um, how do we make sure that this is accomplished and that women actually continue to succeed? And we see that, you know, 2% stat start to climb. Um, Kaylee, do you have any suggestions? Uh, and then I'll throw it over to Shelly after. I'm hesitant to say be super educated and, and wonderful in your pitch because that puts all the responsibility on the woman entrepreneur, which is not really fair, but um, definitely 
be prepared going into your discussions and and seek out those uh, women founded um, investors because we need to we need to support that as well as entrepreneurs because it's sometimes maybe could feel easier even to just go to the you know classic angel groups you know or whatever and and not seek seek out the women led um, investors and I think it's important that we it's reciprocal we have to support support one another. I like that. Shelly, what are your thoughts? I liked what Kaylee said earlier around, you know, um, well, I don't like it, but it's a reality. I'm just liking that we're lifting it up again, that women are asked questions about risk and men are asked questions about opportunity. Uh, we know it. It's been proven. Like you said, Kaylee, all the data is out there. So I think um, we have to be aware of the biases that are in the system in order to combat the biases in the system. If you know, again, if we go up to pitch and we're not ready for that bias, we're not doing ourselves of service. If we as investors are going out and if we don't have our bias in check, um, again, you know, we're just perpetuating the system. Um, but I really feel like we need to move beyond, you know, um, supporters, mentors, uh, and we have to become champions and capital activators. Like we need to write checks. Um, and even if that means small checks, right? And so again, that goes back to my earlier point around every company doesn't have to be a venture company. Um, let's really invest in the world that we want to see and let's just write checks. Let's go on front funder. Let's find these entrepreneurs that we want to back. Um, you know, when there's an opportunity for us to be an angel or to be friends and family and around, like, um, you know, money is power. And so that's the thing that we need to really shift in the system. So. I would just encourage all of us to start writing those checks. And then also to look at your consumer spending because those are checks as well. You are investing in that company when you spend money with them. So think of your spending power as your capital power as well. Mm, I love that. And and there's so much individual power and that's something you can do right exactly. now, listener. If you're on a walk going around, go find some women-led businesses, hop over to Whole Foods, grab some Nona Vegan. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's an awesome takeaway, Shelly. <laughs> that's fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Kaylee. Thank you so much, Shelly. This has been such a helpful um, and really candid conversation. I really appreciate both of your perspectives here. Um, and I hope that our listeners feel encouraged. Um, we are here to support you. There are organizations like the 51, like Startup Canada, that are trying to connect you with capital, connect you with those wraparound supports as well, and help you understand everything that's available across the Canadian ecosystem and abroad um, so you can scale the type of business that you want to scale. Um, and uh, it's been such a pleasure getting to know both of you today. Um, and uh, thanks for taking the time to be on the Startup Women podcast. It was awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on the Startup Women podcast, where we are committed to telling the stories of women entrepreneurs and uncovering actionable advice that goes beyond the surface level. The Startup Women podcast is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles. Visit startupcan.ca to explore the Startup Women flagship program and access advisory support and free resources. Be sure to check out the show notes to access important links, resources, and information that we mentioned during today's episode. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to another episode next month.